0: Amen. Um, there was a story written several years ago about Mr. Rogers, the, the yellow sweater man, um, about a time that he visited a young boy with cerebral palsy. Um, before the time of Make-A-Wish, there were these things called letters that you would write with your, your hand, and you'd send a letter in to someone if you want them to do something for you. Um, and so this, this, this boy's family had written Mr. Rogers and said that they would really love him to visit. I mean, it was his one wish. Um, and so Mr. Rogers did. And he shows up at this kid's house. And they are, are chatting for a bit. And there are journalists there. And there are people with cameras there. And they're making a thing of this. Um, but at the end of his conversation with this kid, he, he says to him, Hey, can I ask you a favor? Can you do something for me? And the kid says, Yeah, sure. And Mr. Rogers says, Will you pray for me? And the kid was in shock, Um, the language of his body shifted, he was frozen in time, and he thinks to himself, me pray for you? And after the silence lasted a bit, the boy said, everyone always prays for me. No one's ever asked me to pray for them. See, what was going on in Mr. Rogers' mind is that he knows that God says, blessed are the meek, for they shall see God. For he knows that God draws near to the brokenhearted. He knows that God says, blessed are those who mourn. He knows that God loves those who suffer and is near to them. And so he says to the boy, I'm certain he will hear your prayers. Will you pray for me? Our our passage tonight is about suffering, as, as we've been talking about and sharing stories about, it's about Christ's presence and power and peace in the midst of it. And as Lord Gail and Sheldon have shown us, suffering is hard and it's painful and it doesn't make much sense. Yet we know with confidence that it's not meaningless. That our suffering unites us into deeper intimacy with our Lord, who Himself is our suffering servant and Savior. So, what I hope that you see from tonight's passage are three brief things: that one day we will see Jesus, that that day is coming in a little while, and until then, we take heart. Um, let's read. Let me read our passage tonight and, and we'll, we'll, we'll break it down for a few minutes. John 16, he carries on um, saying this, a little while and you will see me no longer, and again a little while, and you will see me. And so some of his disciples said to one another, what is this he says to us, a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father, which he had said in preceding verses. And so they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. But Jesus knew That they wanted to ask him. And so he said to them, Is this what you're asking yourselves? What I meant by saying, a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me? Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she's delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. And we skip ahead to verse 33. I have said these things to you that you may have peace, for in this world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. That's the reading of God's word. We're going to look at it. We will see him. Point two, in a little while. And point three, in the meantime, we take heart. So we will see him. Um, Jesus here is referring to two instances. There, he's speaking directly to his disciples about the time of his death, the time where they will no longer see him. And he's referring his, to his dissension into hell in his death. And then he's saying, Yet you will see me again. It's referring to his resurrection and his reappearance to the disciples, which ignites a joy and a drive and a passion in their ministry which helped them overcome the suffering that they endured as the martyrs of the faith, but also pointed them and it points us to the ascension, the time when he ascended into heaven to sit at the right hand of his Father. The part that we skipped over between the 11 verses between these two sections refers to him being with the Father as helping us recognize that we too will be with him one day. But that this side of eternity, we will endure sorrow and suffering, and our language will be one of lament. But one day we'll rejoice, and one day we'll be healed. One day we'll see him face to face. Um, in a month, Meg and I are going to Cancun. Um, I am so excited about going to Cancun. We're going for five days to celebrate our 10-year anniversary. And um, thank you. And I tell you that to let you know that between now and then, there's nothing you can say to me or do to me that will get me down. Because my eyes are on the prize. It's all I'm thinking about. You could come and you could tell me that this is the weirdest thing you've ever sat through. Or that we took too long. Or that you hate RUF. Or that the fall festival sucks. You could tell me anything you want. My eyes are on the prize. I'm not going to be bothered by it. And I'm obviously exaggerating. I'm actually trying intentionally not to think that way because I realize that it's just a momentary little snap of a finger four days on the beach. It will be wonderful, but I know that it won't actually uh, satisfy me. Um, So I don't want to put my hopes in it. But I hope you get the picture that there's a promise hidden in this text. And it's a promise that runs throughout Scripture, and it's this, that we will see Jesus face to face, and that helps us endure in our suffering today. That is our great comfort. And I want to say something. That that is only a great comfort if you know who he is and if you you know what he will do. Um, There's a story in a a book that I'm reading through with a few guys. um, And it it talks about this time when this adult son um, was having some marital problems and he needed some help. And so he was driving to his dad's house, and his dad, the book describes, was a really well-spoken of man, was an elder of the church, was a godly example in their community, was a successful business owner, stood up for the right things, provided for his family, etc., etc. And here was the son driving to his dad in the moment of great need, telling him he has screwed up and that he needs help. And he was terrified. Why? Because his father was not a lovely, loving, godly man. His father was a hard man who knew a lot about God. His father had no empathy. His father had no humility. His father never said, me too, son, I understand. I've been there. The last time, in fact, the the book recounts he'd asked his dad for help. His dad said, son, read Ephesians 5. That's all the help you need. And this is only good news, that we will see him face to face if we understand who we're going to see and what he's like. So we're going to see Jesus face to face, and that's good news for those who suffer because he's not a hard man. You know, The Bible says that he actually gets it. That he gets what you've been through. No, we don't have all the answers for why we suffer, but we know that he has too. And we will see him face to face, and there will be great empathy. He understands our grief. Um, This is maybe strange. Um, Here's what I want to do. I I couldn't figure out how to download it. Um, But here's the video that I found. Oh, don't give me an ad. There we go. It's going to give me an ad. Did you know that there's a simple oh. combination of national degree? Sorry. Good grief. Um, oh, let's see here. <laughs> oh man, clearly, what does it know about my poop life? <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> that's so funny. Uh, all right, so so that's what a weird transition. Um, I knew it was a risk to do this. Um, it's interesting that that God could have used any animal or illustration um, for us to know what He's like. You know, He speaks to a suffering people in the midst of exile um, who are returning back home, and they're returning and can't wait to see God face to face. And what's the image that, G, that that God gives them about the about Himself? He gives him a, a lamb, um, and, and this is going to be this is going to be silent. I want you to think about the weakness. Like, look at the um, the the position that this lamb gets in. Um, and I want you to really think about Jesus. Um, Isaiah says that he was made weak like that. Isaiah 53 says that surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Um, we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. And Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. Healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that's led to the slaughter, like a sheep before its shearers. So he not opened, so he opened not his mouth. Um, there's something inter- there's just, as I've watched this several times, um, and we could be done with the sheep. <laughs> um, uh, I debated that illustration. Um, I think there's something interesting. Um, he could have used any animal, he could abuse any illustration to get across who he was like. Um, and he wanted you to know, you who are suffering and feel weak, that you're going to receive all sorts of empathy. Because he, like this sheep before his shorners, who was made weak, and they did with him out however they pleased. Um, He's the one who gets it. He's not a hard man like this dad. He's the one who gets it, and we'll see him face to face. And in that encounter, we'll be healed. So when will he see him? It says in a little while. Jesus says we'll see him in a little while where lament turns to rejoicing and sorrow turns to joy. Where our actions turn from crying out in lament to re- crying out in rejoice. And where our hearts turn from sorrow to our hearts to- turn to joy. Um, there's, a, there's a talk about grief and suffering by a counselor that I'd like to learn from. And he says that in the garden after the fall of Adam and Eve, it was as if God said to them on their way out, Here's sadness You'll need this. And what the man went on to say is, is I think sorrow taps into something real. And we need it. In some sense, suffering, crying, mourning, lament is the fullest and the clearest and the most appropriate expression and emotion that we ought to live with in this world. I was thinking about this, I would much rather spend my time sitting next to someone enduring chemo on a hospital bed than next to a stockbroker millionaire talking NFL football on their yacht. Because the former conversation's full, and it's real, and it's authentic, and it's baked in vulnerability, and there's truth, and there's a sense of, I understand the pain of this world. And the latter is Fake. And doesn't matter one bit. You know, Jesus seems to be saying that the tools that we have until we see him face to face are sadness and lament. And one day they will be rejoicing and joy. Um, guys, there will never be a moment where you are more happy to be a man than the day of pregnancy. Or the day, I'm sorry. Than, <laughs> than the day of birth. Giving birth. (laughs) Um, It is really hard work to watch your wife give birth. Um, Women are stronger than us. Um, I believe that. I don't think one man, I don't think a man could endure what they do giving birth. It is insane. Um, It actually freaks me out. I I start to panic the days days before giving birth to our three kids. um, Well, the day before she did. um, I started to panic. I'm like, babe, you realize that's coming out of you, right? Um, That's making me uneasy. How is it affecting you? Um, (laughs) And it hurts. Um, uh, Giving birth hurts. It hurts to watch. And I can't even imagine how much it hurt her. Um, And here's the thing, this is actually the image that Jesus gives us, Um, that all the pain that goes into bearing a child, the uncomfortable nights of sleep, the kicking in the womb, the throwing up from sickness, the cramps, the contractions, the actual birth itself, the second you put that crying child on the mother's chest, it quiets down, and the mom cries tears of rejoicing, and she doesn't remember anything that happened before And that's a cool image. You know, the passage that I read at the beginning says that this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal way of glory beyond all comparison. It's almost as if Jesus wants us to know that the amount of pain and the suffering that we go through in this life, it won't even compare. It's like in the split second that we see him face to face, which will happen in a little while. You won't even remember it. You will be so overwhelmed by the love of Christ. You won't even remember. But in, for now, we wait. We wait. We endure. We take heart. Um, I love this quote. Um, this is let me let me explain this woman. This woman is um, is author of many children's books. There's a there's a her most famous one perhaps is called The Tale of Desperado, or Despero. Despero. De- what? Des- Despero. 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 Yeah, Kate. De- Kate uh, uh, DiMachillo, yeah, goodness. Anyway, she tweeted this, um, I don't know how long ago, years ago. She says, I was standing in the grocery store checkout line and a small boy walked past me once, twice, three times, and he came back the fourth time holding his mother's hand. That's her, he said, he pointed at me. Don't point, honey, said his mother. And then then to me, she said, my son's class is reading the tale of Despero. He thinks that you're the author of the book. I'm the writer, I said. Oh, she said, how lovely. Is it okay if he asks you a question? Absolutely, I said. Go ahead, honey, she said to the boy. The child looked up at me and said, what I want to know is will it be okay? Will the mouse be okay? Yes, I told him. Mm -hmm. Oh, he said, good. Now I can relax my heart. (laughs) Yes, I said again, you can. We can relax our heart. Um, not because Kate says so, but because Jesus does. We could take heart, for he's overcome the world. Um, there are four times that Jesus says, take heart. Um, here he says it in the midst of tribulation and trial and trouble. He says that we, because he's overcome the world, we can have Christ's pre- peace. In Matthew 14, we read that the disciples saw him in the midst of the storm coming toward him on the sea, and they were terrified. And said, it's a ghost, and they cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it's I, do not be afraid. They're scared of the storm that they're going through, but are reminded in the midst of their fear that they have Christ's presence. In Matthew 9, the bleeding woman's in isolation and sick. She's an outcast, hasn't been touched for 12 years, and she thinks to herself, if I only touch his garment, I'll be made well. And Jesus turns and sees her and says, take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well, and instantly the woman was made well. The woman, in the midst of her discouragement, encountered Jesus and trusted in his power. And lastly, in Matthew 9, elsewhere we read the the story where the paralyzed man is bound and brought to Jesus by his friends. And it says, Behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. When we suffer in our sins, we take heart because of Christ's pardon, we can relax our hearts, for Christ gives us his presence, his peace, his power, and his pardon. Um, The summer, we just got back from summer conference, it was our first day home, and my best friend calls me and told me that his wife took her life I spent many days in the hospital with him. Told his kids with him. I told Mecki, one of your best friends has taken her life. Three months after her death, my friend wrote this, he gave an update to everybody, and at the end of it, at the end of it he says this, he says, Martin Luther once said that someone who dies by suicide has been murdered by Satan. It's as if her life has been taken by a robber in the woods. He says, that's the only way I've been able to wrap my head around this tragedy at all. She was murdered by the enemy. In a vulnerable moment, she lost the battle with her chronic illness of depression. And he concludes saying this, there are no answers in the valley of the shadow of death, but I am told and still believe that that valley is where our good shepherd resides. Walking hand in hand, as Sheldon and Laura Gale have both shared. With his beloved children, by his grace, I'm one of them. By his grace, I still call him good. By his grace, I hope in the resurrection and the life. By his grace, I hope to persevere through this world. For now I have many tears. He promises to wipe away each one. For this is not the end. Christ's words of comfort in the midst of suffering are all that we have. Um, We're going to sing a final song here in a second about um, how Christ has overcome the world and we take heart. For those of you who are enduring big or small, who are um, people of great doubt, great tragedy, or full confidence... Um, I want you to know that the Lord Jesus has overcome the world, and this is not the end. Um, And so endure. Um, He is with us. We will see him again face to face in a little while. Um, Let's pray. Um, Father, we thank you that you have um, always come through on your promises. We have a whole book that shows us that. That you are a promise-keeping, faithful God. Lord, we pray that um, we would cling to the promise that you see us and are coming for us and take delight that whatever troubles may overwhelm us in this life, that we may keep our eyes on the prize that is Jesus, our Lord and friend and Savior, and that it would help us get through. For this is not the end. Lord, increase our belief in the resurrection and the life that's to come. We pray in your name. Amen. Um, As the band... uh, gets ready here in a minute, Wes is actually going to share um, a story, uh, our last story for the night. Yeah. yeah. Hey guys. So I'm going to be continuing on some of the points that I brought up earlier in the semester and um, dealing with my spine issues. So many of you guys are already pretty familiar with a lot of that um, because of that. So. In that um, testimony, I mainly focused on the journey that Jesus has brought me on um, through my spinal pain and the hope of renewal in heaven. And today, I'll be approaching it um, more from a bodily and sensory perspective. And.